And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 239 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded on June 25th, 2020. And with me, my good friend, my colleague, and a guy who can single-handedly get rid of the Saharan dust cloud, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you? So when... <laughs> do, you, do you know about it? I do know yes. about it. You know, I, when I first saw it on Facebook, I was like, is this real news? But it is actually happening, right? It's it's actually it just yeah, it just can't be any more 2020 than that, right? I mean, we have the and and in fact, they call it the Godzilla cloud, which oh, is even perfect. Better. It's so perfect for 2020. And where is this? This, just, is, this is hitting like Southern Florida first or something like. What is it? It's yeah, it's apparently a yearly thing that happens every year. But this is the biggest in 50 years, which of course makes it perfect for 2020. Um, yeah, it happens every year where the winds, the summer winds sort of, uh, you know, well, it's like a Sinatra song, right? The summer winds come blowing in from across the sea. Oh, jeez, that <laughs> so, was sorry. That's just lovely, uh, yeah. lovely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so it blows in um, and usually dissipates before it gets to the Caribbean. But um, uh, I guess this year it's going to hit Florida and Texas and... You like know. Still, is it, <laughs> which what is, was it? Like I guess sand, perfect for COVID, sand right? Particles yeah. hit you. Like what? What? What happens? What, yeah, that's it. It's just dust. It's just a lot of dust in the air. It's just a lot of dust. All we are is so dust it makes in the, the sunsets. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It makes the you know they say the reason the dust is why the sunsets are so gorgeous. So yeah. <laughs> still <laughs> quote. Still one of the best movies yeah. of all time. Get Shorty. I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Good. So how you been? Things are good? I've been yeah, things are really good. It's uh it's it's coming up on summertime. We're coming up on the fourth of July holiday. It's uh you know, it looks like I mean, aside from all of the pandemic crap that we have to deal with right now, it's uh it's 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 it feels real good right now. Um but you know, I I <laughs> I'm always a bit glasses uh maybe two half full but yeah i i'm i'm having a good week you um, yes things are actually i'll i'll talk about we had our big uh charity uh golf founding that you thank you mm-hmm. for your support that was of course our, every year it's the, it's so important 100, 100 holes of golf marathon so i'll um i'll go through that and i what i want to talk about is uh how we got to the idea and the transfer which i think is is quite interesting but i'm uh, that was Monday, so we record this on Thursday, and my arms and hands are still very, very sore for for 100 holes of golf in one day, which I'd never even come close to doing before, and no sane person would actually do. But we had, <laughs> but we had 28 crazy people that did it, and it was just all for a lot of fun, and what a great cause, and it's just, I still, I, I'm still a little weepy over the whole thing actually happening and so it was great who won great. that's what i want to know is who won How, you know do you do you score yourself on 100 holes of golf or are you going too fast to even no we did we that? did score we you do about seven to eight minutes a hole uh which yeah. is you know you you're basically playing 18 holes in two hours and most people play 18 holes in about four hours and 30 minutes so that tells you that okay how fast so we're right so you're you're moving we're moving 
Uh, but we are scoring. So Jim Kozak, uh, my partner, and I, we shot eight under on 100 holes, which was pretty darn good for a twosome. It's basically a twosome scramble. Uh, the winner was... Wait, eight under... Wait, hold on. Eight under total or eight under against a handicap? Eight under total. So we were eight under par on 100 holes. So we had like something like 20... Wait a minute, that's like that's like PGA like level. This is a twosome scramble. So basically we're playing best ball. So we both with the way it works is oh, we'll both, we okay. both hit Never, a drive. Oh, yeah. all right. So like hole one. We both hit a drive. We pick the best one of that one, then we hit from that spot. So that's how I works. see. And then we had a I lot of help. So that's that that's the handicap that's it. is Yeah, that we're not playing by okay. the full rules. Right. We're doing things like if you get it inside the flag stick, you're good. It's it's a good putt because we're you know we're picking up and rolling. Although somebody did score twenty five under, which was unbelievable. Still, ever all the other golfers don't believe it, but um, but most everyone was around you know ten over, fifteen over. We did have a couple of our friends, uh, actually people that you know that were fifty over par, uh, but I'm not going to say <laughs> names <laughs> or share those results publicly with anybody. Yes, well, I like the fact that you're throwing them under the bus as you sort of highlight the fact that you were eight under, <laughs> right? I mean, you're not. There, there's no no competitive no nothing nature at all. to this at I all. Honestly, Rob, just making no. sure to make sure to make sure to indicate how many people went ten over or fifty over, whereas you went eight. No, under. we honestly did well. We finished in second, which was fantastic, and uh, yeah, but and I played I played really well. Like I I was within 80 90 yards three times and hit the flag stick which never happens but but you know what? if yeah. you're hitting that many shots you're bound a squirrel is bound to find find a nut every once in a while and you know we were two nuts <laughs> out on the course there but, it is yeah it was great it was fun i'm glad it's over uh it's interesting to see if we'll do it again what's amazing is is that these these golfers are at the end we're, you know, having having a beer or whatever. We're all tired, and they all said we want to do it next year. And I'm like, you're all crazy, yeah. and thank you. Well, we'll probably yeah. do it again. Fantastic. So. I mean, what a great event. I mean, what a great. I mean, we'll hear more about. I'll it, t- yeah, sure. I'll talk to you about you it because doing. yeah, it's a real pivot point in the entire Orange Effect Foundation um, mission itself, which I'm very excited Aww. to talk about. Well, that's... And uh, yeah, so it's it's funny. I mean, it's we've been doing this thing for 14 years, and I really learned a lot in the last two months. Because, yeah. you know, of change because of all the COVID stuff and having to change our model. Yep. And, and I'm sure a lot of nonprofits were going through that as well. And, you know, we, we had to deal with a lot of our revenue drying up. So what are you going to do? So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Anywho. Uh, so did we have like marketing stuff happen this week while I was we out on the did. golf course? Well, you know, it is the, it is the, you know, middle of summer. So the, the news is slower than usual. Although there was a few things that we're certainly will talk about before we get to the top of the show, we should probably mention that just breaking news. It literally happened yesterday is uh, content marketing world's announcement that it's going fully virtual this year for 2020. Uh, did you see that? I, of uh, course, come I, your desk? yes, I was notified <laughs> by quite yeah. a few people, and of course, the right decision. Uh, you had, you know, yeah. had to be done. Uh, it was uh, unilaterally cheered by the community, from what I saw on Twitter and Facebook. Exactly, and uh, yeah. and so you know, the team at CMI is going to come up with a, a fantastic concept that keeps the heart and the spirit of content marketing world alive, and 
What do you? What else we're you got to do? We're working very hard. Yeah. yeah, we're working very hard on that. That is that is for sure. The show must go on, as they say, and the show will be big and bold and and fun and keep all that wonderful spirit and try and do so without the tediousness of just another bunch of Zoom calls. You know, so it's uh, it's it's a fun, interesting, and quite frankly. Uh, complex challenge right this is literally you know your your thousand piece jigsaw puzzle trying to figure all that stuff out so it's 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 going to be it's going to be an interesting ride for sure well i have full confidence in you and the team that uh and i will watch from afar (laughs) (laughs) no of course i'm i'm looking forward to i'm looking forward to speaking it's it's um you know i don't know you know we just talked about it before we got. We. I don't know exactly where I'm going to be speaking from. If I'm at home or in a, a studio or you know what well, we don't know yet. Nobody knows anything. Well, nobody's supposed to know anything. No, still working. So we'll still working that part of the whole. Yeah, the whole thing. But it's. Out. But so, I have a um, lot of really. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of really good stuff to talk about. So I hope. I hope everyone and you do. I mean, you're. Of course, you're opening up, I believe, and then I'm right. Yeah, there's you. there's a lot. There's a lot going on. There's certainly a lot to talk about, and there's a lot of learning to be had. So it's it'll be fun. It'll be it'll be great. It will definitely be fun. It'll be great. It's going to be amazing. There it is. All right, let's move on now to our top of the show segment, which of course is where we talk about something that sort of sets the theme for the show. And we have a wonderful article to talk about here, which just segues very, very nicely with what we were just talking about. It's almost like we put some thought into this whole thing. Um, This comes to us courtesy of, exactly, publishing executive. And the headline is, your events are canceled, now what? Uh, Here's how B2B publishers are innovating in the time of COVID. The article opens up by saying, according to the Forbes coronavirus cancellation tracker, who knew there was such a thing, I didn't know there was a thing. That's amazing. That's the FCCT, by the way, if uh, you want to know. It's the Forbes coronavirus cancellation tracker. More than 83 million would-be event attendees have been affected by the pandemic, and that's just those who've had their events canceled or rescheduled so far. Even once large gatherings resume, there will be inevitably attendees who will decide not to go due to lingering concerns about the virus. By the way, one of the major reasons that we decided to uh, go fully virtual. Uh, The COVID disruption continues to be a reality, and we don't have a concrete timeline for when things will fully return to normal, nor do we have the full picture of what our new normal will look like. And if there's one term that I am really, really sick of, it's the new normal. So uh, basically, the article then goes on to discuss um, all of the ways that B2B marketers now are looking to uh, sort of market themselves with events needing to be reimagined and not replicated and, and all of that. What did, you, what did you take for all of this, uh, Mr. Pulitzer? Well, as we look out into the new normal in these uncertain times. <laughs> <laughs> they are unprecedented. Unprecedented, sure. uncertain yeah. times. Um, you the the thing that and this is a really good article. Rob Restagno is a good friend of uh, of the show. So hey, Rob, great article on publishing executive. The, it reminds me of the early days of digital magazines, uh, or basically just websites, if you will. Because when we started at Penton and everyone went, this was twenty years ago. Everyone had a print magazine, and then of course we made the shift to online. It basically was a replica, right? It was a Here's the magazine, and you're going to go online, and you see that thing. It's the same darn thing. 
and which is fine. Some people actually still publish that way, but of course we evolved into a completely different web experience. So what have we done with events for the most part? We have a physical event and then we create pretty darn close to uh, what a physical event look, would look like, but we do it virtually and you know, and then these times everybody's at home. So you're getting that Zoom fatigue. You're getting a lot of um, sameness, I guess, in a lot of the virtual events out there. And it, I mean, it, and it's a problem. So there's two things I think that are happening. One is you're going to see the greatest, a great amount of innovation happen in the virtual event space, led by some of the things that CMI is doing and some other companies in that area. So we're going to need to see more of that. Um, you might talk about what Apple did with uh, WWDC and their event. So those things are really important. I think the thing for marketers to realize about what's coming in with those events is that diversification is really something. It's a thing. It's really important. And if you think about it from the media model, it works the same with the marketing model. Whereas, shoot, what was it? 10 years ago, everything was about, hey, we need paid subscription model and we need an event model. That was it. Didn't care what, what anything else you have. Well, I'll tell you what, if you just have an event only model in your media company right now, you are in a world of pain. The diversification part of this is critical to having. And the same thing with your content marketing initiative. Of course, we want to start with doing one thing great. But once we build that minimum viable audience, we really do want to expand that into a number of different offerings and diversify just in case Google Plus shuts their doors, right? Or just in case, oh, I built that thing on Facebook and now you know nobody will see my stuff anymore because they cut off my all my organic so diversification is key, and that's what I, that's what really what I got from this article. I don't know what you got, but it was really about look. Our of course we want to be great at whatever we do. We want to make some really smart decisions strategically, but we also just can't count on one thing uh, because something like this could happen. Yeah, you know it was funny when I almost made this my commentary or my my uh, my rant this week because I have. Lots and lots and lots to say on this, and all of it, for the most part, questions, not answers. Yeah. I don't think anybody has any good answers yet. Um, but here's what here's the here's sort of the I guess the correlation or the template or the model that I I look to, um, just like what you were talking about with sort of the media model and 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 those sorts of things. I look at what happened in from. 2008 through 20, call it 2012, 2013, with uh, the way that audiences changed the way they consumed theatrical content. And so, and what I mean by that is, so back in the day, film, theatrical film was the thing, right? It was, you went to movies, movies for, you know, actors, public uh, producers, writers, that was the pinnacle. That was the pinnacle of your career. Television, and especially broadcast TV, but more even to the point, cable TV, was either marked the beginning of your career or the end of your career, right? That was where you sort of began or ended because it was considered sort of, you know, secondary and not that great. And what happened was, is that we saw a shift from 2008 to 2013 as streaming media and companies like Netflix and most notably, um, House of Cards was sort of the the sort of tipping point there, introduced this idea of prestige television. And it changed the way that consumers, because I always like to start with the customer, it changed the way that consumers consume theatrical content. So theatrical movies we've known have been in a world of hurt. Um, they have changed the way that they actually 
go to market now, really only going with tentpole movies, superhero movies, things that will you know need that theatrical sort of release to it. And we've seen broadcast television evolve into uh, basically the place for live events, right? So it's either reality TV or sports or award shows. That's what broadcast TV is now. Cable TV is where you now consume dramatic series um, and narrative-oriented content. And that interests me a lot because what I see happening here is with events is – Possibly, and this is where I bring in my question, an acceleration of change of the way that business managers consume learning, right? Consume new, keeping up with trends, keeping up with the idea of thought leadership, keeping up with uh, their ideas of, and splitting into places of asynchronously getting uh, the knowledge, the content that they need for their business to stay up with the trends, to stay up with learning, to stay up with getting smarter about their business, and two, the benefits of networking, com- camaraderie, fun, interesting. It will be interesting to me to see if events go, physical events, start to emerge as smaller, more expo, more entertainment, more networking types of opportunities, very much like what the Japan model is, by the way. The Japanese don't really have conferences like we have conferences. They have conferences where basically you walk around for half a day, you network, you see all the vendors, the vendors put on demos, and then you go home, right? That's that's the Japanese model. Conferences are all learning, has all happened virtually. That may start to happen here as well. And that change in delivery model or the consumption model, I think, is really, really interesting thing to watch. Who is going to become the Netflix of business content, right? Who will who will change the way that we consume the, you know, exclusivity of getting access to thought leaders where brands like the inbounds and the dream forces and those kinds of events of the world become smaller, more expo-like events where, yeah, you go, but basically you go because you're networking with fellow people who are part of your you know, branded community. I think there's a real interesting pivot point here, and just exactly to your point, a huge opportunity for innovation uh, that somebody somewhere is going to crack. Now, I think LinkedIn could have cracked this years ago. I think they completely screwed up their integration of SlideShare, which could have been the Netflix of business content. I think Zoom has an opportunity here. I can't imagine that some of these platforms that are looking to really dominate the marketplace, you know, the the Zooms, the Microsoft Teams, the GoToWebinars, the... You know, all of those platforms aren't in some way thinking, how do we actually get into the original content business? Because that's just a natural uh, way to make sure that your solution becomes the Google of online events. But anyway, I'm going on and on. But that's sort of the where I'm leaning these days. No, I think that you're thinking in the right way because we don't know. And it's going to be. Yeah, that's you know right. what, what I think we're sure, what you and I are probably sure about is it's going to be something completely different than what we know as, that's right as an online event exactly. or a virtual event um and what a great opportunity that is for somebody tackling it. it it i mean just to be honest it probably will come from somebody that's not a traditional media oh, company i totally buy because that. of yeah, the fact absolutely that, well that. because of obviously traditional media companies are tied to historic revenue and profit numbers and it's really hard to 
completely break out of the box when you have to hit numbers. It's really, really hard. But if you have somebody with, like, let's just say an Amazon that has uh, unlimited money to do pretty much whatever they want, they come in and they could spend a billion dollars and not even think about it and come up yeah. with something Microsoft, Microsoft. Microsoft is that candidate. That's, they're the candidate because they were actively trying to acquire Zoom uh, in, last year. And then when Zoom went public and became unaffordable in the short term, they may start to reinvigorate that now. Can you imagine acquiring Zoom, integrating it into LinkedIn, LinkedIn. for a broadcast That's platform? Right. Exactly right. That's the thing. I mean, I don't know a lot of people forget that, that Microsoft owns LinkedIn. Yeah. This, uh, I think we called it. We're going to call it here. There's, a, there's something afoot, right? <laughs> this is yep. gonna... I, I, here's, well, yeah, I mean, if, you know, not a prediction, but let's call it a good idea, right? Microsoft acquiring Zoom um, for the, and they'll way overpay for it because it's way too hot right now. Um, but to integrate that into LinkedIn and make it a broadcast platform for uh, for learning, you know, for on you know the Netflix, if you will, of business content, um, and really do what they should have done with SlideShare uh, years ago, I think is, I mean, it it it's a huge opportunity. I think. By the way, speaking of uh, predictions, Amaya. I, I'm still betting that Disney's up for sale. It's gonna, it's gonna happen. Uh, well, here, I just, just to note. Hey, but wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, wait, wait, wait. But buy Apple or yeah. not no, Apple anymore? Apple. Okay. No, it's still Apple. Right. And here's the thing: it's still Apple. It's still Apple. It's still gonna happen. It still isn't. No, but it's all still right, gonna go happen. Ahead. I'll tell you. No, uh-huh. it's still gonna happen. Yeah. And here's the thing. All right. Uh, no, okay. this is a side note, but. <laughs> Have you have you seen a bit? I mean, there's there's a lot of business models out there hurting. But did you have you seen a large business model that has gotten hit as hard as Disney's? I mean, talk about well, yeah, the airlines. I the, mean, the, 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 uh, yes, I know the airlines. But look at Di- Disney from they, they're not they can't even release their new content right now. Don't even know what to do with Mulan, Disney World, Disneyland, all up in the air. We don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, the cruise lines, of course. The, I mean, if you look at, they have Disney Plus. That's growing, yes. and but it's such yes. a small part of what they do. So my point is, <laughs> my point, and I do have one. <laughs> point is, uh, as this as this stock drops twenty thirty points, watch out. Yeah, watch out. And by the way, just just so everyone's clear, uh, Apple just hit an. An all-time high a couple days ago, stock market. Yeah, so yeah, they're doing very Apple's well. Apple's doing very yeah, well. They're doing very uh, well. Yeah, the, all the big yeah. techs—they're doing really, really well. And um, that's it. I just wanted to bring that to your attention, Robert, because I thought you forgot <laughs> that this is still a thing. I had forgot. That's so funny. What's so funny is that I—I I, I completely had forgotten um, about that ridiculousness. So, I, so thank you, thank you for bringing that back because. Yeah, now I get to giggle all over again. Well, and right? and you know Bob Iger left, but he sort of came back in, and he was all for this thing. So I'm just, just yeah, just saying yeah, we'll see. Just we'll saying. see. Okay. We'll see. All right, what else we got? All right, <laughs> we got our next story here, which is a fun one, um, which again sort of segues in uh, to what we've been talking about in terms of original content. This comes to us courtesy of AdAge, um, AdAge.com with the rare. Uh, sort of, uh, well, I'm not going to rant on ad rage. They don't, they, they've had enough of me. Um, anyway, the headline here is Girl Scouts of the USA launches new media brand for women. 
Circle around content will focus on lifestyle and wellness, says the article. Um, Circle around being the content brand, which has now been launched by the Girl Scouts. Uh, Girl Scouts of the USA has announced plans to launch Circle Around, a standalone media company and online destination that will be a compelling, inspiring, and trusted content site for women. That's a quote. Uh, as well as generate profits to support the Girl Scout mission. Huh. I wonder where that idea came from. Anyway, <laughs> gosh. Holy smokers. Um, the Circle Around site, offering a variety of original content, including blogs, videos, podcasts, and galleries, will test launch on June 30th with the full launch set for early July. Topics on the site include help your kids take action against racism, three ways to make peace after yelling at the kids. Guess who this is targeted to? It's not the young girls, apparently. It's uh, more of the uh, older, the parents. The wellness section features articles on eating well, at-home workouts, self-compassion is self-care. There is advice-driven content, including articles on finance, career development in the work and money section, departments and featuring good inspiration, and accomplishments, accomplishments rather of the Girl Scout alumni. There you go. Well, uh, what do you think, Mr. Polizzi? This, I mean, this is like, I, I kind of wish this would have been around when we were writing the book, because this is like, th- you just want to go, this. Th- want to understand what killing marketing is about? There you go. There you go. Uh, I'm, I'm actually torn. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. Why? Well, first of all, thanks to Will Reed for uh, sending this article to us. Uh, oh, yes. Thank you, Will. Dedicated yes. listener to the show, good friend of mine. Um I love the concept. You know I do. I love everything about what they're trying to do. I'm actually surprised they they didn't do this 20 years ago. That said, I'm not a big fan of the target. I think that... Um, ah, uh, you think they should have gone to I, the young girls? Uh, no, no, no. I, I think that the, the focusing on the alumni part of the Girl Scouts... And some of the issues associated with what they're with with that group and what their uh, content wants and needs are is important. But I think it's way too broad when they just say it is a site for women. It's, it's there's no, it's it's got to be you've got to be more niche than that. You can't just say compelling, inspiring, and trusted content site for women. You know who does that? About five thousand other websites right now do, do that. So tell me something else, because the whole Girl Scout mission and the 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 whole alumni girl that's the, that's a, a a side note. It's a sideshow to what they're trying to do. So I think they're saying, oh, well, that's a fair point. That, well, that that's this, a, that's a fair critique. So, I so think, basically, yes. if if as I was reading this, first of all, Will sent this over and I read it and, and or I was going to read it and I'm like, oh my god, this is great. They're creating a content brand. They're going to have all these different revenue pieces to it. And then I started reading them. Oh, they're going to create 150 pieces of content a day. Oh, that reminds me of Verizon Sugar String. That closed down after, you know, <laughs> same thing, right? We're going to create lots but of content. Verizon, by the way, is one of their partners here. So there are lots of original content, all kinds of blogs, videos, podcasts, and galleries. And as the historian of media companies and brands that we are, you know that that is not the way that you start a content brand. You don't do it by creating 150 pieces of different content and throwing it against the wall. Never works. So my, I'm really sad about this because I don't think it's going to work. And I have nothing against the PR agency that they're working with, but it's a PR and entertainment company. It's not a publisher. It's not as somebody that understands how to launch media brands, in my opinion. I don't, I mean, just looking at it 
on the surface level. And I'm right. really frustrated that they will launch this. It will not work. And then you'll have a bunch of people come out and say, oh, this model doesn't work when they just didn't focus it on a niche enough audience. That's my take. Well, that's fantastic. Um, uh, and I'm so glad you brought that up um, because I think you're exactly right. I, I, you know, look, here's, here's, here's my glasses half full side of that, which is if they actually put the dollars and the media behind this and they make the content itself very niche, in other words, they really do focus in on niche so they've gone a general audience, but they make it very specific to the, you know, make the content, the story itself very specific. I think it could work. In other words, they go to a general audience, but they go to a very specific niche of subject matter, yeah. um, which, by the way, by reading this article, and of course we can't tell because we can't, the site hasn't launched yet, but, um, you know, if it's just general you know, in other words, if it's competing with every, I, you have this quote that I, I say all the time, which is so great, which is no publication ever hopes that they're going to be fifth best in their market, yeah. right? So, you know, if they're just trying to be fifth best by just throwing out general content and sort of, I totally agree, it's not going to work. But if they're truly, if they narrow down the topics, the content that they create, the story that they're trying to tell, in other words, make it all about some sort of the value, they, they, and they do mention the values that we all share. And what is that, right? What, you know, if they, if they really have every single article be the value that you're getting out of it is very focused, very niche, I think it could work for, you know, and maybe saying all women need this or want this, um, and we're going to focus in on a very tight story, um, but I, I, I think you're. I, I hope. I hope we're wrong. I hope. This I hope thing I'm wrong. Blows I, it out of the yes, water. I yeah. so I so agree. I would love to come back here in six months, a year, and say, boy, was I wrong about this. But in six months to a year, we're going to be talking about it. somebody. Ad age is going to have right. Somebody. Ad age yeah, is we're already going to on yeah, this and how exactly. it's a complete failure. At six That's months right. from now, I you can print it. It's going to be. Because that's right. Th because really, you know how this was sold. I can tell you how this sucker was sold. Somebody came into one of the executives at the Girl Scouts and say, "We can generate a boatload of revenue for you if we do this media brand thing." And they're like, "Oh, great, let's do it." Because revenue distribution yeah. from circle around or go to the Girl Scouts so they can s further their mission, which is fantastic. But I think they're that that's the lead. That's what they're leading with. When they should have led with, we have an opportunity to build this community up and do some amazing things for this particular yeah. community, whatever it is. And oh, by the way, way down the bean counters are going to say, it works pretty well too. But you have to yeah. have that, for the, the audience part portion first and the revenue portion second. And I think, great point. I think they mixed it up. So. Great point. Great, well, I'm wrong. great, great well, point. Well, we will stay tuned. We will stay tuned for that. All right. Well, let's move on to our next story, which also segues beautifully with what we're just talking about. Uh, this one comes to us courtesy of John Chacona. Uh, John, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, at John Chacona on Twitter. And it comes to us via the Twitter and the hashtag. Uh, and it's um, basically uh, a email newsletter that it's set up. Uh, have you played around with Substack at all? You've been playing uh, with Substack? No, I, I haven't, but Chris Penn, I get Chris Penn's newsletter on uh, the COVID-19 updates. He has a great newsletter, it's, and he uses Substack for it. It's pretty neat. Um, 
you know, the one thing I sort of miss in Substack is a little bit of the experience of, you know, who is this guy? And what, you know, what, tell me more about this, right? Yeah. It's a little limited in that. Um, but anyway, so the newsletter uh, is by uh, a guy by the name of Josh Sternberg, who uh, calls himself the media nut in his newsletter. Um, and uh, uh, this comes over from that newsletter. And basically the article is why publisher content studios are set up to fail. So this is the counter argument to your, they should have gone to a publisher argument. Um, and so uh, the article opens up here and says, yesterday the New York Times laid off 68 staffers, mostly on the advertising side, as the company, like all media companies, continues to navigate the devastating impact the coronavirus has had on the business. In a memo sent to New York Times employees, CEO Mark Thompson and COO Meredith Levine wrote, the eliminations are taking place in parts of the company that have seen a significant immediate impact from the virus, but they also reflect a long-term trend in our business and are fully consistent with the company's strategy. The company has since shuttered Fake Love, the experiential marketing agency, of course. No events are going on, so they basically decided to kill their events team. Um, and basically, the article then goes on to describe how media companies across the board have seen massive hits to their overall revenue and blah, blah, blah. He makes the point that uh, through his experience working in content studios, he worked at Washington Post and NBC News during uh, the journal, as he calls it, the journalism desert wandering years. Um, and also quotes one of a friend of a and family of the show, Stephanie Lucet, who, uh, but by the way, wrote the foreword to our book, <laughs> basically, uh, that she says, you know, it's not a natural thing to have a creative arm inside a sales organization. There's a natural tension between product the salespeople can sell that requires an enormous amount of attention and input to execute and another product that's much more straightforward. It requires a new kind of salesperson, says Stephanie. Anyway, the article's point is that these content studios in these publishers are not set up to succeed uh, and rather are sort of set up to fail because they're listening and doing too much sort of branded content versus content marketing maybe is the right way to put that. Um, and so what do you think? What did you think about this? Well, well first of all, just a note on the... You said I, I, on the Girl Scouts project that they should hire a media company. I No, that's not true. They should hire a content marketing or a custom publishing agency. Not, Fair not anyone, not, yes. a, not a content studio attached to a brand. Fair point. Yes, and I why, stand correct. No, and, and the reason why, and I'm going to give it to you right now, is because this article is absolutely right. The, the, the majority of uh, publishing companies that, that I go in, they're about building assets, building their own editorial brand, their own audience, and I hate to say this, but custom content, content marketing, branded content, whatever it is in that company is a, is a side project, and it is not a primary revenue source. It's, it's, it's like, oh, they look over here. Oh, hey, we can make some money off of that since our cut, you know, they're spending advertising with us. And can we sell them other stuff like consulting services and some analytics stuff? And maybe we'll throw some software at them. Most of that stuff is just opportunistic, opportunistic and it's not strategic, in my opinion. And I think that's why you get some of this stuff happening. Um, I, it doesn't have to be that way. I think that if you get a great leadership team in there and they talk about the the different products and services that are in a publishing company, there's, of course, a space for a content studio in a publisher. It's just hard to keep that afloat when everyone knows in the company that it is second-class 
revenue. It it, it, it yeah. just is. It just is. And I yeah. but it but if you said all you know, we don't care. Like my old boss David Nussbaum, when I was at Penn Media, he says, I don't care if you sell shoes. Like it's it's all a dollar's a dollar. You got a really good idea that we should be implementing in this company. Let's <laughs> let's talk about it. But but in yeah. this case, a dollar in custom content is not equivalent to a dollar in advertising. Just not. Yeah. So yes. I hate I hate you're that. arguing that it's a better dollar. It's a be, it's a better dollar. A better dollar or, for, or a, a, a better yeah. dollar for the company. The way the company sees it, that they'll say advertising is a better dollar. I sure I don't think that's true if you look at it strategically. But most most uh, financial people in a media company are not looking at it that way. That's so. right. That's right. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I feel like I'm ranting well, a lot today, but no, no, no. It's, it's. I think you're right on the money. I think you know. So the way I would phrase it, however, is that I don't think that most content studios, you know, and this is just my experience. I don't have data to support this, but my anecdotal experience with all of the content studios and publishers that I have dealt with is that they're scared. It's a fear thing that they're scared to lean into becoming. You, know, you said it well, right? You know, when you corrected me on on what I had said was, you know, why didn't you hire a publisher? You said, no, 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 they should hire a content marketing agency or a content marketing oriented studio. And that's exactly right. These publishing companies, these media companies aren't leaning hard enough into that direction. They're 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 out of fear. They're becoming content production machines. Yeah for most of these brands. And when the brands come in and say stupid things like make the logo pop and the, and the, and the content publishers scared of losing that custom content dollar go, okay. And so they make the logo pop, right? Sales driven. And then they yeah. create, yeah. yeah. And they make the, they make the crap that this author of this article is so against, as he says, you know, basically a one is, you know, writing marketing copy and a 10 is writing true investigative journalism and he wants to write a 10 and the sales guys want to write ones basically they have to lean much more into the eights nines and tens and be willing to lean into the strategy and lean into the you know one of the things that is interesting he actually mentions this in the article which is brands come to this the 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 media company content studios with a false premise they come in saying, help us build an audience. Um, and when the company says, okay, great, this is what it's going to take to build an audience because we have expertise in doing that, they say, no, 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 we just want content, right? So the, it's, it's, the, it, it's buyers that don't know how to buy right now, basically. And so they have to teach the, you know, they have to lean into the strategy and the consultation to be able to say, no, 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 you think you want just a content production house to deliver quantity to you of more making the logo pop. What you really want is this. Let us give you our expertise about how to build a subscribed audience because that's what you really yeah. want. And, and, and they're just scared to lean into that. And so until they actually do lean into that, they're going to lose every time. And I, and I would agree wholeheartedly with this article that they're poised to fail. That's so, that's so true. You, you just want them to go there and say, look, okay, you want to build a content brand. You want to build an audience. Let's do it this way. And we need to do it long term. It needs to be as a ser- as, at a series. And we're not just going to post content, sponsored content on our site so you can get lots of hits. Because that's what, right. and I mean, the article goes well, really through. It's like, oh, hey, I published 10 blog posts on my site and they want everyone to be a winner. And he says, that's not the way it works. Plus, it's not a part of any particular series, which I think that if you're going to build a content brand, which 
I wish that they would just do instead of just say, oh, I want to do native advertising or sponsored content. That That's where the opportunity is to really build something like a Red Bull Media House or like a, yeah. a homemade simple from Procter & Gamble. That's when you really have something. And that's where <laughs> these companies can really come to the table. But you're right. They, they are caving. I mean, they will cave to sales in a lot of ways, especially right now, which is scary, which, which is right now is when you want the publishers and media companies to stand up and say no to some of these projects. They're saying yes because they feel they have to because they're laying off a that's ton right. of people. That's right. That's right. There's a lot of fear right now in terms of the way that people are behaving and that immediate gra- that need for immediate gratification, right? You know, I mean, I, I'm, I, I had a client, you know, d- literally say to me the other day, they're getting pressure from sales now to put buy now buttons in the podcast. And it's like, Oh my gosh, you know, you, you, as a, as a, as a marketing person, you just want to say, you don't understand, right? You, you know, a a buy now button in the podcast is, is, you know, is literally, you know, for, for, for a solution like this, where the podcast is truly about awareness, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's absolutely crazy. Well, I don't know what I don't, the thing is, is I don't think this is going to change anytime soon. And <laughs> because of the fact that we're going to be in, you know, I don't know. I mean, you've seen some of the data. You're you're in a little media depression here, at least for general media. Some of the, the niche media sites are, are going to be okay, but you know, there's yeah. there's going advertising budgets when <laughs> when advertising budgets get hit like this in this environment, it takes a long time for them to come back. If I, that's right, so, that's right. There you go. All right. Yeah. Well, last story that we want to cover here is a quick one. I think it's uh, we can uh, it's it, it's sort of tags up everything we've been talking about in the show thus far. And I, you know, it's funny to me because most of the media there's not a lot of coverage of this. Um, there's some certainly. There's not as much uh, as it should be. Yeah, you're right. there's not as much as there should be, and there's certainly it's interesting to me that. There, the 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 what who is covering it is more of the niche publications. Anyway, the the topic is the Facebook ad boycott. And if you're going, wait a minute, there's a Facebook ad boycott? Yeah, there is, um, and it seems to be growing every day. And it's starting to emerge out of the sort of dark corner that it's in. The the article that we'll link to, I mean, there's we'll link to two in the show notes. One is from the New York Times. Um, that actually discusses it, but the article that we'll cover here on the show and also put in the show notes, obviously, comes from Folio. Um, and basically, the article is, is the Facebook ad boycott an opportunity for publishers? Uh, and the article says, in less than one week, a campaign by a coalition of civil rights groups aimed at encouraging businesses to pause advertising on Facebook's platform has already achieved some tangible results. Last Thursday, the digital ad agency 360i, which is a Dentsu Group subsidiary, whose clients include Burberry, Discover Financial, United Airlines, stated its support for the boycott. A day later, outdoor apparel brand The North Face said it would halt paid advertising on Facebook-owned properties. Um, they've been joined by REI, Eddie Bauer, uh, Patagonia, and Ben & Jerry's as a smaller number of brands um, have been joining them recently, basically trying to get Facebook to, you know, be a little more proactive when it comes to the way that they manage and display content. What is your quick take on this, um, my friend? Yeah, very quick take is this has the makings of could be something big, but the agencies, the ones that they talk about in the in the Times article, at least, that are joining the July boycott need to do it for more than July. 
They can't just say, oh, we're just going to do this for the month of July. And then in August, we'll pick right back up. That's what it sounds like to me. And Facebook's like, "Eh, I ain't scared of that. Okay, I can deal with a couple agencies. Um, you, you need to have, you're going to have to have the real big spenders say no. And yeah. then Facebook for, will do for until about. change happens, until right? change happens. Yeah. Now Facebook is saying all the right things. We're working with these people. We're going to make some ha- things happen, but they've been saying that stuff for a long, long time. That's right. So That's I guess right. if, it's you like, believe it's, they're it's doing, dissim- yeah, if you believe they're doing something it's, wrong. Then. It's not dissimilar that you see all of these boycotts on, you know, whether it's MSNBC or Fox or somebody, you know, some, one of the newscasters will end up misspeaking. And so they'll say, oh, they lost this advertiser. Oh, they lost that advertiser. Oh, this advertiser is now boycotting. Well, what they don't tell you is they're just boycotting that time slot, right? Yeah, all, they're they're doubling down. Around. Yeah, they're doubling down on other parts of the network. Right. They're just taking their ad spend and moving it. And so they're, quote unquote, making a statement by doing that. But they're they're not actually boycotting. And so this that to your point, it's the same thing. If they just do this in July and then pick right back up and double their spend in, you know, in August, then, you know, it's literally if a boycott falls in the woods and nobody you know <laughs> hears it, that it actually happened. Right. So it's so yeah. weird, though. I, I mean, I don't know what your take is, but they said that yeah, some of the OK, some of these advertisers are saying no to Facebook, but then they're checking out things like TikTok, Chinese-owned TikTok. It's just weird. It's just, okay, we're moving. <laughs> I mean, I don't have a problem with TikTok, but it, if you're, I don't know about the whole social media thing right now. It's just <laughs> just totally driving me crazy. And it's, you're, I mean, it's, it's obviously a big issue in, not just the U.S. society, but everyone in all parts of the world, and uh, and I don't think we had yet to tackle it as a society. And um, you know, Facebook's kind of getting the brunt of this, and maybe they should. Maybe yeah, they should. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of getting in front of things, we have a wonderful sponsor to talk about for a moment. For a moment, and you know what? I like this one. This is Content Tech Summit. And it is August 10th to the 12th, 2020. It is a virtual event. And I like this one because when you go to the website, Robert Rose's picture <laughs> is right on the website. I mean, it is Which magical. is a sad state of affairs, my no, friend. <laughs> in all seriousness, uh, I love the evolution of Content Tech Summit, really talking about content strategy for enterprise marketers. If you're a marketing professional at a larger company and you're dealing with all kinds of complex content marketing and technology issues this is your this is your jam this is your deal so, <laughs> that photo of me by the way is just awful <laughs> just 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 a mind. just <laughs> it's not you're you're saying i i look i look like i'm going Ooh. no you're you're saying juice you're about to say juice uh, and, the, and I don't know why you were the, saying juice. I don't know if you wanted some orange juice or you were talking juice. about O.J. Simpson. I don't know what you were doing, but you were definitely saying juice. Anyways, yes, you need absolutely. to go to contenttechsummit.com. And if you'd like $100 off, which if you're going to do it, just take the $100. Use PN, code PNR100, PNR100, and uh, you can get uh, Content Tech Summit for $100 off. A really amazing lineup. A lot of really smart people. Uh, just look at all the pictures there. I'm like, oh, wow, this is a really great, great cast of uh, marketing experts. So contenttechsummit.com. Check it out August 10th through 12th. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be fun. We had a bit of a sneak peek um, and a bit of a dress rehearsal for it 
last week. Um, and it was fun. It was really fun. We're pushing a little bit of the limits of, you know, like we were talking about with content marketing world of some of the technology and some making some of a little more dynamic and all of that. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to, we're going to, we're, we definitely have some fun planned along with this, along with uh, some great learning from some great, great, great professionals out there. And plus you're, pictures on the website so they should go <laughs> and check if you want to just go to the website and look at me saying juice juice, juice. <laughs> and juice. there's a uh, a picture of a uh, you know of a woman listening to me on headphones going yeah that's juice who is that uh, i think it's really that? about the even, juice is that is that a that's that's an attendee right or is it just a person? I think that's a. I think that's a, what they call Ms. Shutterstock. Oh, you they, think so? I, yeah, oh, <laughs> I'm yeah. guessing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Enough of that. Yes. Uh, it is now time for your empirically proven favorite part of the show, ladies and gentlemen. It is our rants and rave section where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like, oh, we're in the middle of. Uh, Bending the curve, or if we're in the middle of spiking the curve, makes us angry, very angry. Um, and so, uh, do you want me to go first, or shall you go first? Uh, I'm, I'm happy to go first. I, I know everybody's uh, actually. You, oh, no, you go. I'll go first okay. because uh, because you're. I like your story. I'm gonna tell. The story. Um, of course, it's about uh, the orange effect and all of that, and it'll be it'll be lovely to end okay. that way. Plus, everybody's um, anticipating your Quibi update. So I, of course, there's the Quibi update. Yes, um, the Quibi update and the Quibi link that we will be putting into the show is this week. As it turns out, Quibi is reportedly looking into smart TV apps for Roku and Fire TV. Um, basically, Quibi is now desperately running around the entire planet trying to find anybody who has connections into televisions to get their <laughs> technology into. Um, I mean, I just, I have this picture, like every week I see, you know, the Quibi thing, and it's like I had this picture of like people on the phones, you know, hello, Roku, hello, Amazon, hello, Google, hello, Fire, hello, you know, anybody who's got anything to do with a TV, hello, Samsung, hello, you know. Is this like, can you see Katzenberg like in the middle of the hall saying, who decided to just put this as an app? <laughs> exactly. Like, who made that decision? Right. right. Okay. Exactly. It's like, who's got television? <laughs> um, <laughs> Anyway, the article goes on to talk about how Quibi is right now in talks with Roku and Amazon to, as the article says, reach more audiences. Hmm, that's a pretty good idea for them to do. Um, and then it goes on to talk about all the things that we've talked about before in terms of their struggles to actually do something. Um, and so I'll leave it at that with the uh, with the Quibi update. It's uh, interesting if you're if you're following along at home uh, in this uh, choose your own adventure. It's uh, it's an interesting one from the tech side because they talk about all the technical integrations they're looking at making. Um, my rave this week, actually, I guess it's a rave. It's kind of a commentary rave. Um, came out of the WWDC, uh, which uh, the announcements uh, from all of Apple that came out this week, which, by the way, I will comment best virtual event I've seen thus far, um, just fantastically produced. I, mean, I would expect nothing less from Apple, but just the way that they did it, the choices that they made, the way that they did their keynotes, the way that they sort of made all of the sessions available on demand, all of that is just, you know, Top notch, right? It's the way that a virtual event should be should be done, um, and it was really quite entertaining, actually. As it uh, as it, you know, actually, I would argue maybe even better than their uh, than the sort of filmed version of their of their live event. Anyway, 
That's not my rave. My rave is something that hasn't, again, been covered a lot by the major news outlets, but it was a pretty big, important announcement um, around their privacy, um, which, you know, as the article says, and this comes to us courtesy of Adweek, could actually be more impactful than CCPA or GDPR on the privacy side, because Apple will now require consent, opt-in, for all of the data gathering that happens through apps on its app store. That's huge. I mean, that is a huge, 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 huge thing um, that most people will, most consumers will not even know about, um, except they're going to be annoyed. I, I can predict it already. They're going to be annoyed because what they're going to do is these apps are going to say, is it okay if we have your data? And it remains to be seen whether most people will just sort of click the annoyance button and say no, but this is just get ready, folks, get ready for the bumpy ride, because this is going to be just like what websites look like now with the annoying pop-ups that say, hey, we use cookies, is that cool? And you're annoyed and annoyed and annoyed, and you don't read it, and you don't care, but it's is an important thing because it's an opt-in thing now. And this is going to really affect access to first-party data for all these advertisers and people that are using apps to track everything about you. You know, that spooky stuff that you see on Facebook is not because of Facebook. It's because that app you downloaded from the App Store has a deal with Facebook that is actually using that to display the ad. So that's the real key here. It's going to be a fascinating development for when it comes to privacy and consumer uh, data. Um, and Google is starting to announce some stuff too. So that pendulum is really starting to swing. And I think this is a good move by Apple. It's yet another feather in the cap of content marketing and building audiences willingly, emotionally, who want to be part of your group and team. And using that data for marketing purposes is just much better. Anyway, that's my, it's, it's important. Go look at it. Tell me, Robert, is Facebook in on this privacy thing? <laughs> no. <laughs> They are not currently. <laughs> they are absent from this privacy. They discussion. are absent from this discussion. Uh, full stop. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that is very interesting news. Also good to hear about uh, the WWDC. My son Joshua was talking about how much it, he loved it. Of course, he's a yeah. big Apple fan. So, uh, but by the way, you should know that his computer that he bought with his own money for college, which would be a laptop. Was a is a Linux. He he decided to go with Linux and not with a Windows unit or a iOS. So well, that doesn't surprise me in the least. Something? Yeah, uh, that does not. That that just that that's the least surprising <laughs> thing that you could have said because he can get anything on it. So it's just yeah, interesting. What surprise? Here's what surprises me, and I would dare say that I'll I'll bet you he's doing this. He's going to have it be a dual boot. He's gonna he's gonna have the ability to not only boot up Linux, but he'll he'll need a Windows environment to test things. That's right. So he'll have a he'll have a Windows. I environment think he has to there. use Windows for some of the programs they're using. Exactly. Right? Yes. Yeah. So he'll he'll have a Windows environment there, but it'll be segmented off and you know all that. Yes. yes it's, it just was. Yeah. It was interesting because it was System seventy six or something. It was the is the laptop that he. Per- I didn't. I never heard of it, but I guess it's a Linux based system. So I thought that was interesting. Anywho. So, uh, so yeah, so I talked about, I wanted to share with you a little story. A lot of people don't know about this. I thought it was interesting. And uh, it happened, uh, you know, we talked about the 100 holes thing and how we got to that moment. And I wrote a blog post about it. I'll put it in the show notes, but just to tell you a little bit of the, the background. So the lockdowns started happening in March. Uh, we found out that a lot of our 
contributors, corporate contributors that that were regular contributors to the Orange Effect Foundation, those were going to fall through. A lot of not-for-profits went through this as well, so Orange Effect Foundation was not excluded from that. Um, at the same time, we, you know, our biggest fundraiser every year is our Golf for Autism, which we hold um, in August every year. We've been doing it for 14 years. We didn't even know, you know, back in March and even April, we didn't know whether that could happen. Golf courses weren't open in Ohio. Uh, and if that was canceled, you know, we were done. And I honestly had uh, the conversation with my wife, Pam, who's executive director of the Orange Effect Foundation. I said, maybe we should shut, maybe we should shut down. Like really had that real difficult conversation that neither of us wanted to have. And I was ready to give up on the whole thing. I said, like, this is too hard. This is, I don't think we can fundraise. I don't know what we can do. And at the beginning of the year, I was very enthusiastic about Orange Effect. We put a new mission statement together. Uh, we had a, um, some really crazy goals that we could, you know, try, we're trying to get more kids speech therapy who can't afford it. And I thought it was all over. And then it was on April 20th. So my friend, Mike Balzano, a longtime supporter of Orange Effect, he sent me an email and he had this idea for this golf marathon. And the idea would be to get a couple dozen golfers to pledge $1,200 in donations and play 100 holes in a day. And I absolutely thought the idea was crazy because I was like, gosh, maybe 50 holes. You know, 100 is too much. He's like, no, it's got to be 100. I started doing some research, Robert, and I found out that this was actually a thing, that there were other people doing this thing. And I discussed the concept with Mike and we were still sort of you know, concerned about the appropriateness of the event. You know, is it some, you know, should we be even asking for donations at this time of all these crazy things going on in the United States? Uh, many people out there struggling. You know, we didn't want to look insensitive. What's the right thing to do? Ultimately, did the pros and cons, decided to do the event. So two days after Mike approached Pam and I with the concept, we finalized a brief, we put an operational plan together and discovered a great platform called Give Lively, which I can't recommend enough. It's a, it's free for not-for-profits, and they handle all the peer-to-peer -peer fundraising. So that was like a missing link to this whole thing happening. Three days after that, we secured the golf course. So basically on April 29th, which was nine days after the email, we started promoting the event, trying to figure, trying to find enough crazy golfers that would commit to golfing 100 holes in a day and commit to raising $1,200. Um, wow, which that's is, amazing. Which is really amazing. Now, now I'm, I have to tell you, I probably reached out to 100 people or more to, to golf in the event. A lot of them loved it. A lot of them said, no, I'm not comfortable with it this year. I said, you know, we're going to do social distancing, everybody in their own cart, you know, all that stuff. Believe it or not, six weeks, we secured 28 golfers to play in the event. Everyone committed to raising 1,200. Uh, all in all, you know, so the event was... Monday, June 23rd, um, you know, I told you before, I golfed 100 holes, I'm sore as could be, um, didn't know where I was going, a little delirious on the course at, at certain times, but I, I could not be more amazed at this event. So overall, the 28 golfers raised over $47,000, which is unbelievable, which is really unbelievable. It's just, by the way, it's just 28 people. It's just 28 people. They raised money from 420 separate individuals, which is amazing. And I have a newfound passion for the power of peer-to-peer -peer fundraising. So I've never seen anything like this, Robert, because especially like our biggest event every year was the Golf for Autism. 
you know, we, right. we had one or two people selling everything, all the whole sponsorships, getting all the golfers in. Everything was done through basically Orange Effect Foundation. And now I realize that, man, we're doing it wrong. You know, we've got to get the people <laughs> who have a passion for this to help sell this thing. And it just it's it's exponential. And I know there's a lot of, you know, St. Baldrick's does this. There's a lot of. Uh, Charity Water does it. It's a there's a lot of people that do peer to peer fundraising, but we just never got into it. Um, so that lesson I learned. The other lesson it taught me, which I knew and just forgot, is when you hit your low point about some idea or concept, which I absolutely did in this case. That is probably the moment when the next idea is about to arrive. So you have to remember you're at your lowest. You have to be quiet and listen, because. Another idea, another concept, some person's going to come into your life and make a difference. And sometimes it takes a little shaking up for us to even listen to, to that and know which direction to go in. So I just wanted to share that, that we were on the brink of closing. We've got a whole new thing in the fall planned. I'm so excited about it. I'm not ready to announce it yet. I'll, of course, share it with you first, Robert. But they, I, I, some of these things, like I'm, I've totally changed my attitude about fundraising and I just can't thank you enough for your, your donation and everyone, the other 419 people and the 28 golfers who are heroes to me that ended up raising hundreds and hundreds of hours of speech therapy for kids with speech disorders who can't afford it. So that's my it's amazing. It's an amazing, I mean, you guys run, you and your beautiful wife run a, an amazing foundation and just, you know, the creativity of the, the ways that you're raising money is just incredible. And yeah, it's just a pleasure to be able to even be a part of the ride. So yeah. Well, you're a big part yeah. of it. I mean, you were, you were one of the first five, I think who donated to the cause and, uh, it was just from there. It, I just, I couldn't believe it. It, I'd wake up and there was another couple thousand in there and then I'd, you know, I'd a couple hours and another <laughs> thousand bucks. And I'm like, I, this is unbelievable because usually I have to make calls and emails and text people and, and the other golfers were doing all that work and uh, you know, that they're passionate about as well. And, you know, sometimes you feel like you got to do it all on your own and that's actually the wrong way to do it. So nice. Yeah. Nice. Big plans for the week. Um, we're going to, you know, spend some time with the family this weekend. Um, I think it's supposed to be, you know, we're getting into a beautiful weather season. I know you have beautiful weather all the time, but we're getting into beautiful weather here in Cleveland, Ohio. Right now it's like high seventies and sunny. It's absolutely beautiful. So we're going to try to enjoy that weather as as much as possible. And are you going to go on one of your beautiful hikes and make another drink this weekend or what do you We are. Yes, I will be, uh, I'll be off this weekend, um, Relaxing a little bit, uh, celebrating the birthday um, and um, <laughs> all of that. So, yeah, it'll be should be a good week. Should it's be going week. to be a great week. Oh, yes, indeed. Good. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it. We are signing off. And if you like this episode, episode number two hundred and thirty-nine. That's right. Subscribe, won't you? Resubscribe. I've been we've been following the charts here. We're uh, we're inching our way up, but we really, really could use some more subscribers. So go tell your friends. Um, get yourself a shiny new subscription. Just sign up with as many emails as you possibly can. Um, all of that. Yeah, I don't know what that even means. It doesn't mean but anyway, anything, but you say it every yeah, week. So. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we're gonna we're publishing every other week now. Um, if you're new to the show, um, so you can expect a, a new episode in a couple of weeks here. Um, if you want more of Joe, Joe Polizzi in the meantime, 
get to his website, joepolizzi.com slash newsletter, where he talks about all sorts of wonderful things, uh, including writing and content and marketing and sales and world issues and just a fantastic, fantastic newsletter that you don't want to miss every week. And as for me, yeah, I'm mostly talking about content marketing and content strategy stuff. Um, and you can get that, of course, at contentadvisory.net. And of course, hashtag us up, won't you? Um, let us know this old marketing on the social media story ideas like you heard today. Today, um, other things that you might want to hear on the show. Hashtag us up, this old marketing. And in the meantime, till we meet again, remember everybody, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you in a couple of weeks on this old marketing.